party people, welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, an RPG podcast built for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week I am joined by Kevin Gallagher from That Entertains for a game of Cubicle 7's Doctor Who, Adventures in Time and Space. Kevin hosts the interview show Everything is Awesome, where he talks to cool people about the awesome things they've got going on. I was recently a guest on the show, and you should absolutely check it out. We talk about Superman, and Chakara Pro, and the weirdness that is the Middle-Earth role-playing game. Now, normally, when it comes to playing games, I throw it over to be in the past. But I kind of wanted to change it up this week, and I've got this TARDIS. What do you say we give it a spin? Just step in here, and um, let's see if I can this twist that lever uh, let's see the date that shouldn't do that right hey it worked Kevin Gallagher thank you so much for coming on Party of One thank you for having me uh, this is going to be great uh, so Kevin why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you got going on all right, well, I'm uh, Kevin Gallagher. Most people just kind of know me by Kev, or if you're a longtime fan of me, you know by know me of uh, Steel Tip, my old school radio pr- personality. And I do uh, podcasting and also uh, an, like a, I guess, internet comedy site. My podcast is Everything is Awesome, uh, which is on thatentertains.com, where we also have like a cool little web series that we just started uh, that's a parody of Batman. So that's uh, fun. I do love Batman parodies. <laughs> yes, it's a quick uh, synopsis of it. Quick elevator pitch is it's uh, what happens in a world where Superman has stopped all crime in Gotham and Batman has nothing to live for, really. Uh, so I like what, that. Yes. I like that a lot. So uh, we, we, are, we have two episodes posted uh, on YouTube and thatentertains.com and uh, we have more coming in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I am uh that sounds great. I'm also uh yeah, so let's dive in. I am super excited. We are playing Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space, the official Cubicle 7 uh role-playing game. You are playing the Doctor? Yes, something that I've dreamed of my entire life. Well, that's what we do here on Party of One. We make dreams come true. So, why don't first and foremost, um you know what? I think what we're going to do is I think we're going to just dive right into the show. And I think any questions we have about backstory and stuff will come up in play. Okay. So we'll start with the pre credit sequence because every good episode of Doctor Who has a good pre credit sequence. That's right. We open on a wide shot of an endless, seemingly endless, like wild, untamed forest. There's, we cut to a series of quick shots of a kid in his late teens, bushy hair, wearing fur, wearing like a fur cloak, carrying a carrying a wooden spear, running through the woods, chasing a giant prehistoric stag. And we cut and we see the stag running. And then from we cut back from above and we see a fireball is racing towards the earth. We cut. We see the child. Uh, we see him duck down. We see the stag run off, run through a clearing. We see the stag child rear up, and then that fireball crashes down and crashes down in a clearing in front of him. We cut in the distance, and we see the stag scamper off as the child is standing over this smoldering crater. Pan over the crater, we see the remains of a spaceship. 
and a three-fingered alien hand reaches up and grips the edge of the crater. The Party of One podcast. With no cooperation from the British Broadcasting Company. Is proud to present... Doctor Who. The Gift of Prometheus. Starring Kevin Gallagher as The Doctor. And GM Jeff Stormer as everyone else. We cut to a shot of the TARDIS. My first question for you, Kevin, is what does the Doctor's TARDIS look like in this regeneration? Uh, you know what? It is has uh, reverted back to a, uh, a style that he's very fond of from his 10th incarnation, where it's very, uh, you know, rustic looking, very, uh, you know, you know, not uh, doesn't have those circle thingies. Sure. sure. The coral theme. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Uh, OK, so, we, so we, we we get a sweeping circle shot, like a round shot of the, the TARDIS. And the doctor is by himself. Describe to me what the doctor looks like and what he's doing at this instant. He is uh, a semi – he's younger than the 12th incarnation. Uh, he's still not ginger. He's actually he, – he's gone for a bald look this time. Okay. Uh, and he, worst of all, he has an American accent uh, this time around. And he is really kinda, appealing to that American crowd. <laughs> yeah, that's you know they, they, they just don't have enough uh, ratings out out here yet. Uh, and he is just uh, sitting on the steps of the TARDIS and uh, just staring at his at the floor. Okay, yeah. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a story point and ask you a, one last question. Okay. Uh, you sensed your character uh, feels the turn of the universe, as the Doctor always does. You sense problems in the timeline. You sense when things in the universe are not the way they should be. So I want to ask you, my question to you is, why has the Doctor um, felt a disturbance and either ignored it or brushed it off or has chosen or has or did not fully like did not really notice it you know what i mean something to that effect so he uh he he noticed this uh he felt the 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 fireball crashing uh to what i what we assume is earth uh but his mind is simply just uh still very heavy with uh the loss of clara from from a, a few months back and even more recently, after spending 24 years uh, with knowing that it was his last time with River Song. Okay, yeah. So he is – he's in a dark place and he just – he feels this tingling in the back of his neck that something is not right. But he just he, – he shrugs it off. It's not his problem. Time passes. We get a series of shots of the doctor strolling around the TARDIS. Now we talked a little, or you sent me over your character sheet, and you mentioned that he is settled somewhere in on Earth. Where do you envision that being? 
Uh, I envision that being because of the American accent and him, him him wanting to blend in as much as he can. He's somewhere in America. Uh, let's let's say New York. Well, who doesn't okay. want to go to New York? Yeah. Okay. So he's in New York. The doctor is sitting, and he eventually he steps. You step out of the TARDIS to get something to eat or drink. Well, the doctor doesn't. You know what I mean? To get yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. What's the doctor? What's the doctor getting? What what does he need that he's stepping out to get? From his time on Earth, he knows that when uh, you know Earthlings feel this way, that uh, they kind of enjoy the uh, the adult drink from time to time. So he's gonna uh, you know try to see if that helps his mind at all. Okay, so yeah, so your throat is dry, you feel parched, you want you want nothing more than a drink. You you um, step to the door of the TARDIS, you give it the uh, you snap your fingers. Nothing happens. The doors, they don't budge. You snap your fingers again. Nothing happens. You push, you force your way through the doors. And you are not greeted by the bustling New York street that you've settled on. You are greeted a smoldering, lifeless wasteland. Whoa. This is not what I expected. Yeah. That tingling in the back of your neck. Now, now... You're you're starting to piece together what that tingling was. Okay. Yeah, so something has changed in the timeline so dramatically that it's all gone haywire. So I am going to ask of you an awareness plus... And while this is going on, I'm going to do the classic holding my finger in the air to see if I can feel what time, uh, what century I'm in. Yeah, yeah, you do that. You ne- you sense immediately that you are in you you the TARDIS hasn't moved. You should be in 2016, but this is not the 2016. Mm-hmm. But the timeline around you has changed because of some event that has happened. So I'm going to ask you to make an awareness plus ingenuity roll. Okay, and that's what two d six. Yeah, plus your ingen- awareness and ingenuity scores. So that's a ten plus. 7, 17, and another 4 is 21. Yeah, okay, yeah, you easily succeed. You you've, you've realized that at some point in human history, something happened that wasn't supposed to happen, something fell into the wrong hands, and humanity did what it is sometimes unfortunately good at doing, and it destroyed itself. You 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 head to the TARDIS. I curse the humans while I do that. Of course. Um, yeah, you head to the TARDIS. You start like flipping through like library books in the TARDIS library. You start entering information into the tar- uh, TARDIS computers. You said you got a twenty-seven. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. Twenty-one. 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 Oh, twenty-one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you you succeed well. Not fantastic, but well. So you get what you want, which is you're able to figure out – you're flipping through the history books and the computer documents, and you're seeing the discrepancies. You can see where they start to be small and where they get larger and larger and larger. What it is is dating back centuries, you're seeing these reports of – they call themselves uh, Prometheans, people, people who wield the fire of Prometheus. Okay. And they have they conquered cities. You you hear tale of the failed revolution of 
Charlemagne. You hear tale of the execution of the insurgent Genghis Khan, and so on and so forth. And it keeps going back until until well into the Dark Ages. You see reports of a battle that was turned the you see you hear you see sort of a mythical tale almost like the Iliad of a series of warriors that have been given the fire of the gods and used it to quell their enemies and bring peace to the land. This was not in your books yesterday. Hmm. So and what time? What? 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 Uh, when did this happen? Uh, Dark Ages pre Magna Carta, so like first century or okay. so. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set course for the the first century. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to have to roll because you rolled well enough that you kind of automatically know where you have to be. So the TARDIS sets flight. You know, you you fly through it, you hear the distinctive gong that you've landed. You put up your finger to the air and you get not only you get first the first thing you sense on your finger is life, which is a welcome feeling after the New York the quote unquote New York that you just found yourself in. The second thing that you feel is that is the distinct is the distinct feeling of the dark ages on your finger. I kind of uh, during this, I'm going to kind of smile because I kind of this 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 uh, setting fits my mood. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Yep. So you snap your fingers, the TARDIS doors open as it is safe to exit. You walk out. You're in the middle of a giant forest, suspiciously similar to the one that the viewers saw earlier. Okay. All is quiet. The doors close behind you. You look around. You feel. There's a certain serenity to where you are. There's a certain atmosphere of solemn, solemn solitude, and that fits you very well. And that's about when the laser beam comes over your shoulder and hits the door of the TARDIS. I uh, duck as this happens. Yeah, it goes right over your shoulder. Okay. You dodge it. You duck. Uh, you look up, and there is a man, a pudgy man, balding with a thick beard thick like red haired beard he is pointing a he is pointing a laser cannon at you at you and at the tardis all right i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, try to talk to him and ask him uh, what time is he from and what is he doing here what's his purpose okay uh make me a roll using your um presence plus we will say convince yeah <laughs> Oh, that is going to be a two plus three, so five, and another five. That's ten. Okay. Um, he is also going to roll. Um, well, remember. Oh, well, I should point this out partially because it's it's a cool story thing to know. Is you do have a pool of story points. Okay. Um, you can do a number of cool things, which are listed on one of the two pages of your character sheet. One of which is if you fail at this. Mm-hmm. You can salvage that to a certain degree. Okay. And or if you if you want to up front, you can add dice you can add additional dice rolls to the um to your total. Okay. So if you want to spend one of those up front or you can see where it goes potentially recover a failure. Yeah, let's let's uh let's play on the edge and see if I can recover from a failure if it's a okay. failure. He rolls 
one, four, five, six. He rolls a nine. So you you do succeed in convincing in um. Yeah. Okay. I know exactly how this goes. Okay. So what exactly do you say to him? I say, whoa, whoa, sir, whoa, 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 what time frame are you, what are you doing here? Why? I could ask you the same question in your magic box. It's just the box. It's, it's, well, I guess it is bigger on the inside, but I'm here. It wasn't there a moment ago. Well, I am here to uh, see what's going on. There's uh, trouble in the future where there's no people whatsoever. So I sense there's something wrong. Are you up to this? You've. You're you're talking you're talking like a like a wizard of some kind. What's what is this magic that you speak of? You know what? This isn't my doing. You're gonna come with me, and we're gonna do, you're gonna talk you're gonna talk to the chieftain. I sus- the chi- who, who's the chieftain? The chieftain, uh, chief. Um, hold on, I pull up a name. I didn't get it. I didn't give this guy. I didn't give didn't give give this guy a name. Can I, do I know what race uh, or what uh, alien uh, type this guy is? Um, yeah, actually, this dude is – you do know what alien type this is. This dude is a Scott. A Scott. Okay. Uh, does that, so do I know that he's um, peaceful or are they – Yeah, uh, yeah. He has lowered his gun. He has sort of – he's lowered his gun, but he's sort of nudging it for you to go with him. He doesn't seem – he's not – Posing any sort of a threat to you at the moment. All right, I will. Uh, you've, you've sort I will of, you've trust him, him down from okay. uh, violent distrust. All right, I will. Uh, I will trust him with some slight caution. Chief Stayfin. Ch- what's that name? Stayfin. Stayfin. Okay, I'm going to call him Chief S. Chief Staff. Fair. With the luck that we've had, with with the luck that we've had with you magic types, we suspect we might. We suspect. We've been told to treat any more any more of these magical beings with a certain degree of respect. So if you would come with me, I can introduce you to the chief, and we can see where you will fit in with our new regime. Uh, I will. I don't know if I'm going to go and fit in with your regime. I'm here to save the planet. Uh, as much as I don't want to be here, uh, the you know I I, I have to. So uh, take me to your leader. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we um we sidewipe over. You are sitting in a tent in a like deerskin tent. Um there's some people hunched over a stump with a sheet of papyrus over it that is being used as a makeshift map. The pe- there's a group of people all crowded around the same young man that we saw earlier in the pre-credit sequence. So a young boy, like really a young boy, late late teens, okay. bushy, bushy strawberry blonde hair, uh wearing that fur that fur cape, uh spear resting on the ground next to him as he looks over a map. Your portly bearded friend guides you in carrying the laser rifle. So, uh while we're walking to camp here, uh where did you get this laser rifle? Oh, this was the this was the gift this was the gift of the heavens. They came they came to Chief Stefan. They came to Chief Stefan from a, from above. He brought them to us that we might conquer the Wolf Riders and finally bring peace to the region. Who are the Wolf Riders? The Wolf Riders are uh they are a band of raiders. You must really not be from around here if you don't know the Wolf Riders. 
You, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm a quite a bit out of town, if you know what I mean. Uh, I don't, but I'm going to continue anyway. Um, the Wolf Riders are a gang of are a gang of bandits. They have ravaged this area for many a many a moon, but we've previously not been strong enough to fight them. We've had to live our lives on the run in hiding, lest they show up. But with the weapons with the weapons that we've been gifted from the heavens, we think we may be able to stop them. Okay. Okay. I'll. Uh... Let's, uh, let's go talk to your boss man here. All right, so he guides you into the tent. Like I said, there's a group of people huddled over a map. Stefan sits at the helm, holding his spear. While we over. walk by this map, can I like do I can I get a quick glimpse of it to see what they're looking at as we walk sure, by? Sure, it's um it's a crudely drawn uh, map of the re- of like you can gather it's of the region. Okay, why don't you make me a roll? Your awareness plus, um, we'll say survival. Okay, so that's six, that's ten, and that's fifteen. Okay, yeah. So you find a few pieces of information. You see, you get the layout of the area that it's sort of, it's where, where you're in a wood, like a wooded area along a cliff. The waters of the Atlantic are sort of are you know past the cliff so it's a series so it's right on the right sort of on the coast um you get you see notes you see red x's you can presume these are where the wolf riders have attacked uh roving tribes and you also see on there a what is essentially a almost like a morning star like that really elaborate star design in a in a small clearing toward in a small clearing to the southwest you get the sense that, that is where uh you get the sense that something miraculous happened probably tied into this quote unquote gift from the heavens okay so that is what you've that is what you know so far all right let's let's go talk to staffy here all right who is this man why have you brought him to me he seems to be he claims he claims knowledge not of this world. I suspect he is akin to those that to those that brought the gifts of the heavens. He looks he looks like an Englishman. I uh I, I tell them that I, I give them my name, I say I am the doctor, and uh I flash out my psychic paper real quick to show some credentials. You come with a seal. You come with a seal from the from the court of england yes that's absolutely right interesting that they would send one of their representatives or the court of rome i suppose it would be but england is technically it's the same deal okay you brought your representative of the court of england it's interesting that they would send one of their bureaucrats to our humble to our surroundings we are not a settled people well, you know, danger's danger, and uh, I need to make sure that uh, nothing spooky happens. The danger is well under control, thanks to thanks to our uh, divine gift. Under control. I saw a lot of red X's on that map, man. I don't know how con- under control this is. The those those attacks were in the past. the The wolf riders, the wolf riders. We have we have narrowed, we have tracked their location. Tomorrow we strike, and the wolf riders will be of no concern. 
Is there, uh, let's see, what do I have something that, uh, to try to like sense if this guy is like, uh, like evil, I guess? Um, yeah, you can make me a awareness plus resolve to get a sense of this dude's, or awareness plus presence, rather, to get a sense of this dude's deal. So it's four to 17. Okay. Um, he is not evil. He is perhaps you you get a certain sense of unease in his zealousness. You know, the doctor has never been a fan of what's the word I'm looking for? Mili- a sense of military yeah. braggadocio. The doctor's never been a fan of that. And you get a all you get a very unsettling amount of that sort of that sort of macho attitude from him. So he's not evil, but he seems unchecked. He feels it seems like he he carries himself with a certain uh, uh, a certain dangerous confidence, so to speak. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to keep an eye on him. Yeah, Uh, he doesn't sound like he could he he can get us into a lot of trouble, I think. Yeah, yeah, you do get the sense you get the sense that this that if um, led if left unchecked, that this dude is going to be the linchpin in whatever apocalyptic scenario eventually comes about okay so listen staffy i i this this technology you have is far too advanced for your people uh i would like to see where this came from the court of england wishes to see the presence of our divine gift is that correct absolutely make all right yeah um he is going to oppose you and I'm going to say, make me a roll of presence plus convince. Uh, four, seven, and five, th- twelve. Okay. So uh, you you failed by exactly one. So if you spend a story point, you can bump that up to a success with a complication. Okay. Let's let's spend a story point. I got a couple to use here. Okay. So. Okay, yeah. We shall let us let us take a let us take a trip. We are owed our rights of gratitude to the divine gift. And perhaps perhaps with your courtly influence you may be inclined to abandon your previous life and join us and join us on the wandering road. Lest there be consequences, and you see a guy reaching for a knife. I I steady my hands on my sonic screwdriver because uh, not that the, I assume there's other uh, alien technology on on somebody here. So I, I I ready the sonic screwdriver. There's a great visual of the guy going for the knife and you going for the sonic screwdriver on your belt in the exact same way, <laughs> and then like yeah, then we cut. They, he takes you on a walking path. You come to the clearing. There's a crater in the ground. Make me a roll of technology plus ingenuity. Everything, we'll say every category over 12, you'll get a factoid about what you're looking at. All right, so we got uh, ingenuity 7, technology is 5, that's 12, plus whatever, 6, 18. 18, okay. So you recognize this as... You see that it is a a the ruins of a spaceship. 
uh, a manned vessel. My eyes kind of perk because this always interests me. Yeah. Uh, it is a manned space vessel. You recognize it from an alien species called the Zatraxi. They are a fairly harmless race, except they have, they've been known to dabble slightly recklessly in time travel. So you're not overwhelmingly surprised that one of their ships hurtled through time and crashed because they're a species that is more eager to play with its toys than learn how their toys work. So so when I see this, I kind of I start shaking my head and say, no, 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 no. This is not good. You take issue with our divine gift, Mr. Doctor. I take issue with who gave you this divine gift. This is not good. You this take is... issue with the gods. May you, perhaps you'd wish to speak with one of them. You have one here. There's one here. Yes, he came, and we, we, we resuscitated him. Let's speak with this god, and I use my air quotes around that. What is this magical gesture that you do with your fingers? Just take me to the guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So so they, they, they walk you around the site a little bit just to show you, the, you know, their divine gift. They're very proud of it. Well, while we walk around, I do. Uh, no, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep the sonic screwdriver hidden for now. Okay. So yeah, um, let's keep walking. Yeah. So you walk around. They show you it. You see that it's very badly damaged. You see the ashen remnants of at least one body. You know, like so. You know that there were that it was a bad crash. There probably could not have been many survivors. They walk you around, they take you back to their camp, and they take you to a very large tent, much larger than the other ones. Um, and it, there's a few people laying on makeshift old world cots. And are they just sleeping? Are they injured? Uh, injured people, yeah. Okay. Injured in various fights, you know. You know how it is in the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages or what have you. Um, yeah, and on there, there is one... Uh, Zatraxi, which they're sort, they are purple skinned, green eyes like a cat's eyes, three fingered hands, and he's wearing a tattered space suit and like a helmet, but the visor has been smashed. He is, he is sitting, barely moving. They keep feeding him water and he very reluctantly accepts it. Actually, no, he very eagerly like chugs it down. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, approach this uh, this guy and and ask him what's he doing here. He perks up. Well, first and foremost, I'm gonna ask you because I'm gonna say you have because you have a certain degree of control over the TARDIS's uh, uh, universal translator. You have a choice that you can make. You can ask him this in English or whatever version of Old English you are currently speaking. Or you can ask him in Zatraxi. I, I'm going to ask him in his tongue. Okay, yeah. So everyone around you steps back, and they're like, he's speaking the tongue of the divine. How does he do that? How is he? Is he one of the divine? Has he been, has he been fooling us? Is he a trickster? And they're all whispering. Meanwhile, the eyes of the Zatraxi go wide. You know of my tongue? I know of How? many things. How I am... The doctor. This is this is wonderful news. This is wonderful news. Thank you. Please water. And like he like waves them over and he starts getting panicked and he knocks back another giant bowl of water. The hydrogen in water, it it helps me breathe. I 
the visor is broken. They don't seem to understand. Their knowledge of science does not match that of what you or I would be used to. And he, he, he pulls you in close. We have to escape. You know that, right? I uh, have a confused look on my face, and I, and I ask, escape what? He just nudges. He like just looks up, and you see the two. You see Stefan with his spear, and the two guys with laser rifles. We need to. This can't end well. Putting these are children. These are children. We're talk. We're dealing with. They are not prepared to be dealing with the things that they have stolen from me. Let's place it. Let's put it frankly. They have stolen it from myself and my friends. My my friends so you're proposing we run and let them keep this technology no 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 what i am proposing is we need to find a way to escape to my ship get the systems working on it if we can access activate the emergency vortex manipulator that is built into the ship's core the 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 technology will warp away with us it's all keyed to the ship the problem is that the ship is damaged and you're all you're talking in Zatraxi, so they're all just like staring at you. So you can talk freely of this plan with no so, knowledge. Can I uh, can I sense if this uh, alien is is telling the truth, like he really is uh, trying to save Earth here, or does he have a ulterior motive? Make me an awareness plus presence roll. Seven, eleven, and that's uh, fourteen. You get the sense that he is at least mostly on the level. You can't tell if he is – you get the sense that he's hiding something, but whatever it is, you can tell he at least genuinely does want to take this – get this technology out of these primitive hands and get off of planet. All right. So uh, I, I'm going to – do I know if uh, the TARDIS is closer than his, his ship? Right now, I'm going to say – it's probably about equal distance, just in opposite directions. Okay, because I'm wondering, because I want to take him to the TARDIS so that he can breathe easier. That makes sense. That would probably be the right, that would be my suggestion. Yeah, so so I suggest to him that I, I take him back to my uh, spaceship uh, and uh, so that he can recover much easier. I would like that very much. I have heard... You know, the Zatraxi have heard tales of the TARDIS, the living machine, and to get to sit in one would be most exciting. It would be a true joy to a scientist such as I, but there is the problem of getting us there, at least, if nothing else, getting us out of this tent. So I, I turn to uh, the chief staff guy, and I, I speak in English now, or old English, and sure. I say... This man cannot recover here. Your god will die here. If we take him back to my magic box, I can save him. Make all right, yeah, make me a presence and convince roll. You have to beat a 17. All right. So, uh, I got 15. Okay. You can you can I mean, you can you have two options. Either one will require uh you can spend a story point or you can take a failure with a consolation so I, so essentially no but no but it's not all bad you can spend a story point to bump it up to yes but it's not all good or you can spend a story point and roll two additional dice at which point you will 
pretty assuredly succeed the roll. Uh, all right, let me. I'll, I will uh, spend a story point and roll the dice. Okay. And that, that's an additional nine. Cool. So you get a yes and. You get yes and a cool thing happens. Do you have an idea of an additional benefit? In addition to them walking you to your TARDIS and letting you do your magic, do you have an idea of an additional cool thing that you want to get out of this exchange or not? And, and you can tell me if this is way off base. I would like to see if I could uh, possibly borrow one of this uh, alien technology rifles just so I can take a look at it in the TARDIS with the you know no peeping toms, no peeping eyes on me. Yeah, yeah. You give them a very um, – you lean hard into the magic of the situation. So you give them a whole like, ooh, and then you talk about their god dying and your magic box. And they hand, you know, and you tell them you, you need one of their magic guns and they hand it to you. You step into the, they walk you to the TARDIS, but you see that two men with rifles are still standing outside of it. And they're going to let us in though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you snap okay. your, you snap your fingers. Yeah, you get, you're okay. let into the TARDIS for that All right. Okay, all right. So while, while we're in there, uh, if he needs any kind of uh, assistance from the TARDIS, uh, I obviously let him get that assistance. Sure. While I inspect, uh, I take the sonic screwdriver out and inspect the gun. Okay. Yeah. Um. The, the TARDIS. You sense some a change in the air as the TARDIS immediately starts dumping in harmless to you because you are the Doctor, but vital to him because he is. Uh, he breathes hydrogen. It's dumping hydrogen into the air. So he's just breathing. He is breathing comfortably. And I, I ask him how he's doing, if uh, if he needs anything else. Uh, the TARDIS is at his beck and call. You have saved my life. Now we must set about saving the planet. Well, so tell me about these th- these weapons. Why would you bring such dangerous weapons to this planet? We, you know, the thing about... The thing about, you know, expeditions is... You have to be prepared for the threats of – you've got to be prepared for a threat. Uh, you know, people are trying to take your equipment or um, uh, make me an awareness and presence check. Six, ten, thirteen. You can tell he is – bluff you can't tell what he's bluffing about per se but you can tell that he is just blowing smoke to make himself seem more important <clears throat> i don't want to approach this uh so is the sonic screwdriver giving me any details about the, um, the weapon yeah let me um yes roll me a technology plus ingenuity add two because you're scanning with you're scanning with the sonic screwdriver. That's 14, 18, that's 20. Yeah. You're scanning the rifles. So they are cued. They're they're about what he said they were. They're cued to the they're cued to the ship. They are, you know, they're pretty standard laser rifles. There's standards attracts a technology. There's a built-in link to a, a vortex manipulator. They are time time weapons essentially but All right. is there a way for me with the sonic screwdriver to disable the weapon without him realizing it yes i'm gonna say it's an opposed role 
again, the same thing you just did. Um, we'll spend one of the story points from the sonic screwdriver to do a thing that you're doing um, to do a thing that it doesn't normally do, since you're using it for magic, essentially. Um, so we'll spend one of those. The, it comes with a certain number. It, the way that gadgets work in Doctor Who is that they actually have story points in them specifically so that you can do whatever the plot calls for with your with your special device. Gotcha. It's a really clever thing. I like it. Yeah, it's a really clever yeah. way to integrate the Doctor Who mythology of this device will do what I need it to. So um so this so you're going to spend a story point out of that, make the roll with ingenuity plus technology plus 2. It's 14, 19. That's 22. Yeah. Okay, so 22. Yeah, he does not notice. He does not know. So, okay, what happens? You can, and you can you can decide if you're still going to go through with it. But here's what's going to happen. You, as you're 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 fiddling with the sonic screwdriver, it's being sonic screwdriver noises. Um, you you know that you can disable it, and he won't notice because it just looks like you're scanning it. But if you disable it, it's not gonna it's not gonna do anything. Like it's not gonna fire. It's not going to. It's not gonna disappear when the sh- if the ship disappears. Ooh. Like you can shut the whole. You can just turn the whole thing off, and then you can turn it back on later for free. Now that you've succeeded at the roll, like okay. you, you know how to turn it back on. But you but well, yeah, you can turn, let's it, turn it off for now. Okay, so you turn the whole thing off. Yeah, he doesn't. Yes. He doesn't notice though. That's the okay. important thing. Yes. So he is still sort of puffing his chest about like, you know, this is a dangerous job. It's dangerous times that we live in. We we in the Zetraxi Explore Corps need to be prepared for threats across time and space. And So I, I kind of – I look at him and say uh, something about uh, his lot in time travel. Uh, you know, it's it's – time travel is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Not, uh, I've been doing it for a very long time, sir, and uh, you're messing with fire that you don't even understand. He gets right up in your face. We know exactly what we're dealing with. We have been, I have trained for this expedition my entire life. How dare you? Uh, I, uh, I just kind of stare him down and I, uh, I say, All right, let, let's go to your, let's go to your ship and let's get rid of these weapons. Okay. But as you're staring him down, like you, there's a silent moment where you stare him down, and he uh, he leans into your face, and he just kind of like shrinks back. All right, like I, he I like deep that. down knows that you. He knows he knows that he is not on your level, and he knows that you. He knows on some level that you are saying the exact truth. Okay. Yeah. No, I I like it. Yeah. So um. So you said. So you said you're gonna head back. Yes. Uh, I head back to the uh to the crater. Okay. Well, uh, so I guess will the will the the Scots will they they let us back to the crater? Well, it's funny that you mention that because you step out, you step out, you mention to one of them, "We'd like to see the crater," and that's when you hear shouts and horns from the distance. The Wolf Riders are here! They're coming, ready for battle, and they like. Despite the fact that they are from the Dark Ages and they have never seen a gun before, they both look – the two guys look at each other and lift up the guns and do the classic, like, lock and load. They don't say it, but they give the gesture and you're like, how did they learn that? Where did they get that from? 
This is uh, this is a strange first century. Uh, okay, so uh, I look at the uh, the other the purple guy and uh, ask him if how how quick it will take to get to his ship to disable these weapons or not to disable to to take care of these weapons. Um, a few minutes. We can. I mean, we can. We can and should run. So a few minutes. And as he's already, as he's explaining this, like getting tired, you can see that the, the oxygen, the air here is already messing with him. It's not poisoning okay. him, but it's it's clearly taking so much effort to get the hydrogen that he needs to breathe. Okay, so uh, I I think uh, I want to I want to go to the crater and go to his ship and uh, try to take care of these weapons before we have to deal with uh, the blood the bloodbath. Okay, so yeah, let's head to his ship. Okay. Um, I'm going to need you to make me a roll. As you start to run, you see the Wolf Riders, and they are exactly – the name is almost on the nose. There's a brief moment where you look at them and you're like, okay, I get it. They ride wolves. <laughs> do they have any other kind of like uh, – do they have like normal weapons What would fit yeah. the first century? Yeah, yeah. They are, they are not wielding anything fancy. They are straight up wielding swords and – swords and bows and that kind of thing okay. however right. they're they're throwing spears they are like winging knives and swinging swords around and it's chaos so you need to make me a roll to avoid getting into a conflict all right make me athletics plus coordination because that's higher than strength unless you can justify one of your other attributes Athletics and and coordination. Uh, that makes sense to me. Okay, yeah, then we'll do that. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, so that's 12, 15, and 19. Okay, yeah. You um, narrowly avoid you narrowly avoid uh, catastrophe on the way there. But you are caught in a battle. Like there's a battle scene at the crater. You hear as you arrive, you hear someone say, they're trying to get the divine gift. And you see like you see that they're trying to fight them back. There are lasers firing. There are swords and arrow bows or arrows flying. It's chaos. So you avoided them, but there's chaos unfolding at the crater. So, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to whip something out from a a previous life of mine. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to scream stop and, and just, uh, with all my, uh, vocal cords and, and strength scream, I am the doctor. I am a time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castorburus. If I pronounce that right. Yep. I've lost count of how old I am. And I'm the man who's going to stop you. Okay. Yeah. You got a problem with that? That's fantastic. Yeah, make me make me that. We'll make that a roll, and we will add four to that because that is perfect. So that is a six, ten. Present, and then add your presence and convince to that. Thirteen. That's uh, eighteen total. Eighteen total. Okay. So several the people around you they stop. You do manage to you know with your with your incredible presence. There's that great shot from below where you look like seven feet tall and the clouds seem to converge around you as you're giving the whole monologue. 
and we just get shots of people like stopping and lowering their weapons. Everyone is paying attention to you. However, you notice that sev- uh, we'll say four of the wolf riders. See- did you bring this? Did you bring the alien with you, or is he at the TARDIS? I don't remember. Uh, I I suggested we run there, so I guess he came. Okay, with yeah. Me. So he's there and he's wheezing. He is exhausted. You see, um, four of the wolf riders, like in awe, like they are not. They have stopped fighting. But they are now beginning to circle you, as you have identified yourself as on another level. As they're doing this, I kind of, under my breath, whisper to this guy, uh, to the to the alien friend of mine here, and I say, "I'm totally doing this off the fly. I'm not sure what what my game plan is here." I have a confession to make. <laughs> What's that? This whole opera, this whole expedition, has kind of been on the fly as well. So I feel you. All right. Glad we're in the same place. Uh, so I, I, I put my attention to the four uh, wolf riders okay. uh, circling me. And um, I'm just I'm kind of uh, taking it all in, looking at them and, and trying to sense what they're thinking, what they're about to do. They want to take you in. That's not even I don't even need a role for that. Like they want they were here to take that divine gift. Once they caught wind of that divine gift, they wanted that divine gift. So they, and now that you have identified yourself as a being above them, they figure the two of you are probably a pretty good consolation prize. So, so they're, they're being hostile about this? They, not yet, because you have put the fear in them. You essentially invoked every bit of your quote unquote divine heritage. Okay, so I will, uh, I will uh, look at all of them and uh, tell them to step aside uh, before. Uh, and I have my sonic screwdriver out, uh, and I and I point it towards them, but I don't press the button to make it make sounds. Uh, and I say before it gets crazy. They 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 drop their weapons. Make all right. Let's do a let's do a roll. We'll say this is subterfuge and presence so plus six plus the 2d6 plus if you want to spend story points and you can spend the story points from your screwdriver here if you so choose all right so it was uh presence you said was the the second one all right so that's 15 15 yeah okay they uh you succeed they see you point a thing at them and they're like they 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 rear up the wolves rear up they drop their weapons and the four of them that are around you run off, like scamper off. All right. So uh, with them out of the way, I, uh, I, I help the uh, purple guy towards his ship uh, while still keeping my sonic screwdriver out just to uh, sure. make sure no sure. one comes near me. Um, and uh, we have to go in his ship to, to do what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go in the ship. You can get in because the doors have been burst, have been blasted, essentially crashed, like smashed open. All right, so so when we get in there, uh, you know, I, I help him to the floor, and uh, uh, so that he can you know catch his breath, and I I ask him what where where's the uh, thing that I have to to disable or to to take everything down? It's it just any computer screen will will do it. Just you've got to hurry. And at that moment, a okay. shadow falls over falls over the both of you as standing. In the doorway is Chief Staffen. 
with his spear. What are you doing, man of man of space? Uh, you, you people, you, your lot can't handle this technology. I've seen what this technology does, and the, this world will end. This world will burn if you continue to use it. I will not let you take this from me. And you see his eyes get, he's got crazy eyes now. And, and as soon as he says that, I say, uh, I will not let you kill this world. Yeah, yeah, okay. So what we're going to do is... What is, are you going to make a move? Are you going to try to talk him down or are you going to make a move for the computer? Uh, I am going to. Because he is going uh, to come at you with his spear because he's sna- he is just snapped now that you're threatening to take away his, his weaponry. Uh, as as is, he's coming at me, uh, I'm going to try to you know move out of the way, but in the direction of the computers. Okay. Yeah. So because you are moving, you go first because he is trying to fight. Uh, you get to go first. So yeah, you make it to the computer. You're standing there. He runs at you. He watches you run by. He is now like ready to make another attack against you as we go into our next set of actions. Meanwhile, I am going to say that the uh, Zatraxi is going to try and talk the, uh, Chief Stefan down. So I'm going to make a okay. quick roll for that. He does not do well. Yeah, he, um, so actually, I am going at, uh, he tries to talk Stefan down. He puts his spear to the alien's throat and says, Spaceman, if you make a move, the divine being dies. Make your decision now. So, I, before I, I, I do anything, I kind of, I look at the, uh, the purple guy and, uh, and sense, try to sense if he has, like, if he's, if he wants me to move forward or if he wants me to, like, give in to, to the staffy's demands here. He has a, he has the spear to his throat. You can see him shaking and shivering with terror, but he, he locks eyes with you and there's a shot of your eyes and a shot of his eyes. And there's a shot of your eyes and a shot of his eyes. And he blinks very slowly. And like closes his eyes and nods at you. Nods at you. All right. So because I, I I'm the doctor, I I will not. Uh, despite him wanting me to move forward, I will not risk this alien's life. Uh, Take two story points for that. Okay. And I am going to try now to talk to Staffy here and see if I can get him to lower his spear long enough for me to, to do something at this computer. Okay. So make me a presence and convince roll, and he will oppose it. So that's uh, eight presence. That makes it uh, 11. What was that second one? Um, convince. Presence. So that's 16. Okay. You succeed, but what happens is he puts his smear down. He starts shaking a little bit. And he says... They have taken so much from us. You don't understand what taking this gift will do. The lives you claim to be saving, I don't believe that they will outweigh the lives that will be compromised. Are you comfortable making that decision, Doctor? 
and uh, knowing what the future holds. Uh, now, let's see. What do I want to do here? Um, I uh, I'm going to tell him uh, just to try to get an extra second uh, out of out of sure. this. Uh, is uh, that the that there are better ways to solve conflicts even in these dark ages. And he, you say that, you start to move towards the computer. He sees you move towards the computer, and he just, I hope that you're right. And Okay. I hope that you're right. So, so what I, my move now is, instead of doing what uh, this alien wanted me to do, where I would just zap all the technology away, mm-hmm. since in my sonic screwdriver, yeah. I know now how to disable everything, I want to disable all the weapons okay. that... Uh, that are linked through this computer, okay, uh, so that they, they can never be used again. Okay, yeah. Without being, yeah. Make me a ingenuity plus technology. It's going to be uh, very difficult, but you can spend story points from yourself and from the sonic screwdriver to get it, like to help the roll. If you want to add dice to it, so that's seven. That's five. That's uh, what? That's twelve. Thirteen. That's fifteen. And uh, definitely at fifteen. I feel like I'm gonna have to spend some story points. Here. Yeah. Um, for every story point you spend, you're gonna add another two d six of rolling onto it. You want to get a twenty four. And I. What did I say? I was at. I was 15. at uh, fifteen. So I. Uh, I'm going to do. I'm gonna spend two story points, okay. and so that's four dice. Yeah. The Sonic, you're, you're really, you're pushing hard on the Sonic screwdriver. Which is really classic Doctor Who, that he's just going to point the thing at it, and it's going to do a crazy thing. So that's an additional, I got uh, additional 19 out of that. Okay, yeah. So you, yeah, yeah, you, you, you pull it off. Moreover, you pull it, yeah, you shut it all down, the lights go down, there's a, there's a is sitting, is leaning back, he sees it happen, his eyes go wide. What? What did you do? And I, I look at him and I say, I told you, with your lot and your dangerous ways of time travel and these dangerous weapons, they should not be in anybody's hands. Yeah. And he just, he struggles to his feet. He reaches for his, emer- he like, he, he pulls back his space spacesuit sleeve to reveal a wrist-mounted uh, vortex manipulator, much like the kind you saw on Time Agents like Jack Harkness has. Okay. You have no appreciation for the fine nuances of science. And he pushes it, and he he warps away. Stefan is there watching this, and he's like, what, what was that? Yeah, it was just kind of a, you know, another day, another alien stops, another world saved. So, yeah, the, the things have shut down. They are, they are, things have shut down. He looks around. You see him clang on the side. We could build quite a few things with this metal. So, okay, do I? Do I? Uh, I want to sense if that's if that's like a legit, like legitimate thing he wants to do, or is he like going to try to reactivate these weapons? No, no, no. Yeah, you, 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 um, you get the same. He is being. You got the feeling when he was being. You know, you saw him scheme. You saw him be violent and uncontrolled. This is him having been shaken to his core by what you said. You clearly had an impact okay. on him. 
So, so I'll tell him that to to make sure that he remembers this day and remembers, uh, you know, what lives were spared and to, you know, make good use of this metal and use it to protect, to save, not to destroy. You are a most peculiar man, Doctor, but I will honor, I will honor your request. And uh, with that, uh, I leave that ship. I leave him be. Uh, I drop, uh, I drop the rifle that uh, we had. Or who had that rifle? No, Did I have that you rifle? Had it. Well, so you had it because okay. there's the the shot of you like throwing the rifle on the ground and walking off is going to look yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. You drop that. You go back to your ship. You go back to your ship. You exchange meaningful glances with him, with Stefan, as you as you uh, vanish off into the future. You arrive back in 2016, right where you were. You step out. Your you step out. You see that your TARDIS is halfway is um, sort of in the wall of a bar in Brooklyn, but it's fine. <laughs> no one notices. <laughs> Yeah, you notice that, you see that people, no one has noticed because it's Brooklyn, no one's going to notice that's yeah. happening, um, but it's all there. You feel at ease. You check your history books. Everything is back to normal with one exception. There are uh -oh. written reports, archaeology reports, of a great diplomat of the Dark Ages. Stefan the Noble. You, you, you see a sculpture that doesn't look quite like him. It's very romanticized. But you recognize him and you see that he, he was known for uniting a lot of the nomadic tribes of that area and bringing them shelter and bringing a lot of great peat, like great tools and shelter and farming equipment to these tribes and help sort of help them settle in the area all right and i when i look at that i i do smile there's i the doctor has a, a brief wave of happiness and and kind of forgets uh you know his his troubles from before this adventure just for a moment just for a moment so he closes the book and he like the doors he leans against the center console and the doors of the TARDIS swing closed and we hear the opening pangs of the closing credits and that is Doctor Who oh man I loved it oh that's great that really I loved good. it that was a lot of fun yeah I yeah really that is uh Yes, that is uh, – searching for the game, when, when you and I first uh, spoke, sure. I was searching for the game. And, and it came down between this and uh, just like a zombie one. And uh, I uh, – this is – I've never heard of this one. I've never heard of Doctor Who. And I, it's so much fun. I, thank you for uh, inviting thank me you to for, this. Thank you for mentioning it because I had, for, I had heard of it, never bought it, and then like forgot about it. But like it fits perfectly for the show because it's – you know – at most, you're probably going to have two or three people. So it worked so well. It was really great. That was that was a lot of fun. That was some pretty classic Doctor Who action. Yeah, and the, the, I'm glad. I, I feel like my character, I wanted the character to have to kind of 
come back yeah. from from being super depressed, and he might not be all the way back, but he's he's on his way. So I'm, I'm glad it went the way I wanted That's, to go. I'm, on my I'm so end. happy about that. Oh man, that was great, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Um, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at HHWST, uh, and you can also find uh, information about all the productions I do on at That Entertains on Twitter, and uh, check out the, our website, thatentertains.com. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really should be getting back. I don't know what this is doing to the timeline. I'll see you in the future, buddy. Let's see if I remember what I'm doing here. I think I just... I think I put this... There we go. That was fun. Um, anyway, back to business. Be sure to check out Kevin's site at thatentertains.com and follow him on Twitter at HHWST. Then, while you're on Twitter, follow this show at Party of One Pod. Then hop over to Facebook and like the show at facebook.com slash Podcast. And if you really like the show, there are two things you can do to help it more than anything. One is to tell a friend. Helping new people find the show, whether that means make writing an iTunes review, recommending it to someone, whatever you do, it means so much to me and it helps the show achieve bigger and better things. The other is quite simply to come on and be a guest yourself. I'm particularly interested in hearing from him and featuring marginalized voices in gaming. People of color, women, LGBT individuals like myself, and so on. I want to use the platform of this podcast to elevate voices within gaming. And I know that extending this invite on the show is a small step, but it's one that I really want to take. Party of One is produced by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. Edit This episode edited by Jeff Stormer. Music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran featuring the D&D Sluggers, as well as the theme song to Doctor Who. Until next time, thank you for listening, and remember, from the day we arrive on the planet, blinking, step into the sun, there's more to see than can ever be seen, more to do... Hold on, wait a second, no, that's from The Lion King. Never mind. Never gonna die.